Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. So on this one night, I, I pulled my truck into the parking lot where my kids have their soccer practice. It was one of those really cold Michigan nights, you know, where my tires crunched up against the cold pavement and spit frosty rocks out and away. One of those kind of nights. My wife and I are always juggling getting our kids to something. You know, rehearsals and practices. It's one of my favorite things to do though. I love doing it and it always feels like such an achievement when we get them there on time. And, and, and on that night we were early. So I was doing really well. On that particular night, my son, Max, was practicing with a team that he doesn't usually practice with. So when we got into the complex, we didn't know where to go. So he found some friends and started kicking it around with them. Kicking the ball, kicking the air, kicking each other as six-year-olds are known to do. After a few minutes, the coaches walked out onto the field and they began to separate the kids into this field and to another. And when they did that, my son Max came running off the field at me, straight into me, and into the folds of my long wool coat. Sometimes I forget how fragile they are. Sometimes I forget how fragile everything is. Do you ever forget how fragile everything is? He peeked out of my coat. I'm supposed to be on that field. And he pointed at this field where all, all these older boys were playing, far away from his friends. And then he started getting upset. And he started crying. These big crocodile tears. And I, I wanted to take him by the shoulders and say, Max, stop crying. Because all of the other parents in here are going to think that I'm berating you for not playing well. And I'm one of those parents. And I may be like that with your sister, Lily. <laughs> but I promised I wouldn't be like that with you. So stop crying. But that's not what I said to him. I'll tell you what I said to him. But first, I don't want you to leave the service today and go interrogate Max about how this all went down. Because he's doing us a great service. 
He's reminding us how quickly things can go from fine to not fine. How things can go from fine to not fine. How quickly, almost instantaneously, we can go from Merry Christmas to you ruined Jesus' birthday. <laughs> almost in a heartbeat. How we can be driving down the road, listening to Run DMC, <laughs> having a great time, only to have someone cut us off in traffic and the sky is falling. Because, and this is really what I've noticed about this whole cut you off in traffic thing, really, it's just you need to press your brake when you preferred not to. <laughs> Things can go from fine to not fine. Of course, it goes beyond the trivial. Sometimes I think about my life like a mobile. One of those play toys that hangs over a baby's crib. And on one hook of the mobile is my career, my job. And on another hook of the mobile is my marriage. And on another hook of my mobile is my health. And on another hook of the mobile is my relationship with my children and so on. And sometimes I get the feeling that my mobile gets bumped and the rest of the things on the mobile, the rest of my life gets kind of shaky. You know what I mean? And then there are days when the mobile gets spun. When something comes along in life, like an overtired two-year-old that really wants to get out of the crib and takes the mobile by the hand and really spins it. You know what I mean. But it's all okay because, you know, life comes back to balance. Everything over a period of time begins to balance out. Everything finds its balance. These days, though, I'm starting to appreciate something else about the mobile. And I hope you're still with me. I'm starting to appreciate that the mobile isn't what it seems. That what we thought held life together, like steel cable, is really more like fishing line. Four pound test fishing line. And when something gets snapped off, as can happen, life turns chaotic and things don't balance out the way they used to balance out. And sometimes afterward, life just kind of hangs funny. Sometimes forever, life just hangs funny. You ever forget how fragile things are? How close we are to life just hanging funny. This is where the community is as we approach the text this morning. A text that begins with these words. In those days, in those days, what is significant about those days? 
Well, in those days, things had gone from fine to not fine. Things had been hanging funny for the community for quite some time, actually. For about a hundred years, in fact. This was after a period of relative self-rule from 160 BC, which was when the Maccabees revolted. Until about 63 BC when Rome invaded, they had this period of self-rule. And then since 63, Rome had squeezed Israel in one way or another over and over again. And then we come up to this point in time, the first few decades of the first century, and 40 or so years after this story, Rome sounds the death knell and burns down the temple. So right here in the middle, in those days, you could say that this abusive relationship was coming to a rolling boil. That's what's going on in those days. But they've been here before as a community. And the text really wants you to be reminded of that. Today, we hear the same refrain that the community has been singing for centuries. They've been singing this since they went from fine in their homes in the promised land to not fine in Babylonian exile. Today, we hear an echo from the 40th chapter of Isaiah, the 40th chapter of Isaiah, the first in a series of chapters in Isaiah where the community is dealing with finding hope in the midst of their hope, homelessness, dealing with their fragility, the fragility of their entire existence. That's what's going on in Isaiah 40. And in Matthew 3 today, we hear an echo all of, the, of all of that so that we're reminded that they've been here before. This community has been here before. Things have gone from fine to not fine before. And they've been here even before all of that. In Isaiah 40 and in Matthew 3, we hear a voice cries out in the wilderness. This is the same wilderness that they wandered in for 40 years as they escaped the grasp of Pharaoh, as they left Egypt and wandered. The same wilderness where they bickered about maybe returning back to Egypt because they were so hungry where they gossiped incessantly about Moses because he wasn't living up to their standards and they worried that the promised land wasn't going to be cut out, wasn't going wasn't to turn out to be what they thought it might be. This is that very same wilderness. They've been here before. This is a community that knows this territory, that knows this wilderness. They've been here before. They've not only been here before, but they've made it through it. They went from fine to not fine to fine again. In fact, they went to better than fine. They made it to the promised land. And so when John the Baptist brings the community up onto the banks of the River Jordan, he doesn't just bring them up onto the banks to show them the water and what's about to happen in it because what's about to happen in it is amazing. He brings them up to the banks of the River Jordan so that they can look across and see the wilderness, this community that's and hanging funny, they can look across and see the wilderness and say, we, we come from there. We've been through it before. 
They come from a long line of people who have experienced find and not find. And as much as that community was part of that tradition, so are you. That is your tradition too. Claim it. Whatever has taken you from fine to not fine, whatever has your mobile hanging funny, your health, your family, your career, your loss, let me invite you to come up to the banks of the River Jordan, to stand with John the Baptist and the entire community that gathers there, there to look across see the wilderness and be reminded that you come from there. You come from there. Remember that your forebears in the faith escaped Pharaoh and made it through the wilderness and to the promised land. Claim that. Your forebears in the faith heard a voice crying out from that wilderness. Your forebears in the faith climbed up to the banks of the River Jordan and stood with John the Baptist. And after they stood with John the Baptist, they were introduced to Jesus. Jesus, who is the end of our wandering, our eternal destination. Jesus, who takes us from not fine to fine again. Jesus, who is the new promised land. Jesus is the new promised land. That's where you want to end up. The only difference is with Jesus is that unlike that patch of dirt that they searched around for for 40 years, as you wander around looking for Jesus in your life, the only difference is Jesus is out looking for you too. even if it seems like it's taking him forever. If it seems like it's taking him forever to find you, today I want to encourage you to rejoice because we're almost there. He's almost here. Something we remind ourselves of every third Sunday in Advent. Today is the third Sunday in Advent, and on the third Sunday in Advent, we light the pink candle on the Advent wreath. And we light that candle because this is known as Gaudete Sunday, which is Latin for rejoice. And it's our tradition to light that pink candle on the third Sunday of Advent to be reminded that we're almost there. We're almost to the great celebration of Christmas. We're almost there. On the first Sunday of Advent, I was actually leading a worship service with Pastor Angela in Cedar Home Chapel. It was our 8 a.m. worship service, and I was leading the liturgy while she was supposed to be lighting the candle. And after I led the liturgy, I turned around and I sat down next to her, and she was laughing. And I asked her, what's going on? And she said, well, I accidentally lit all four Advent candles. And then I blew them out. 
And I thought, great start to the season. <laughs> and then I looked over at the Advent wreath, and the one candle that she'd left lit, yeah, the pink candle. <laughs> That's supposed to wait for the third Sunday, I told her. But the truth is, we need people in our lives looking to jump the gun, right? To remind us that we're almost there. We're almost there. There's a reason to rejoice. We need people in our lives that remind us how close we are to connecting with Jesus. On the day that Max went from fine to not fine, I pulled him out of the folds of my jacket and I wiped off his tears. And he told me, you know, that he was upset because he'd been separated from his friends. Sometimes we forget how fragile things are until we're separated from someone. And so I pulled him in, and I said to him, I'm going to be right here. And I walked out, and I chatted with the coach, easily resolved the situation, was just a misunderstanding, and he ran out to practice with his friends. Simple words. I'm going to be right here. But words that every father, every parent, could probably learn to say a little more often. And Jesus is God's way of saying to us, I'm going to be right here. And so as we close in on Christmas, And you think maybe about how the mobile of your life has been shaken, how things have gone from fine to not fine. I want to encourage you to come up with me on the banks of the River Jordan, to stand with your community, to stand with the ancestors of your faith, to look at the wilderness and be reminded that you come from a long line of people that have come through there. As you do, Don't be surprised if you hear some kind of divine voice calling into your ear, I'm going to be right here. Amen.